Josh just handed me this, and um, we had 8,322 shoeboxes in last week. Well done, guys, and 424 of those were actually packed by our church, so that's amazing. Well done, thank you so much, and our main kind of drive for this is, is being a distribution center, so 8,322 is amazing. So well done, Carol and team, you guys are a star, and the apple cider did not disappoint. It was incredible. I drank way too much of it. Right, well, this morning, um, I'm actually not speaking on thankfulness. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm hoping that what I do speak on will unlock thankfulness um, in your heart, because it is so, so important, as Brent said, it's a big part of our lives, and it should be a hallmark of of who we are as Christians. So hopefully as we look at these truths this morning and expectation, um, thankfulness will be just kind of like grown in our hearts and we'll leave here um, just feeling comforted and strengthened and, and full of his spirit. So I just wanna pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for Sammy and family. Bless them, Lord, be with her, Lord. Just bless her, Father. I thank you that she's left normal behind, Lord, and she's walking with you in the supernatural. Bless her, Lord. We, we thank you for who she is and how she's marked our lives, Lord. And Father, I just pray now as I share, Lord, will you just come by your Holy Spirit and minister to hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if someone, one of the youth leaders, could you just make a note of the words given to Sammy? If someone, just on your phone, just so we can give that to her so she can remember what God has said to her today. There's a lot of water in here, okay. <laughs> Didn't do that so right. All right, um, this morning, um, hi. For those who it's your first time here, my name is Cameron, and I serve the youth here and serve Josh and the team and um, feel really privileged to speak this morning. Um, but this morning, I'm actually speaking on greater expectations. And I think it's really kind of out of what Josh spoke about, about not losing our cutting edge, it's very similar. But I just wanna encourage us to um, greater expectations. Not expectations in our own ability, or even expectations in our own ministry, but in light of who God is and our precious Lord Jesus Christ. I think Jesus had a knack for creating expectation. He really had a knack for creating expectation. If you don't believe me, um, and you don't need to turn there because this isn't my main passage, but in Mark 3, 9, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed so many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. You can just imagine just the scene of what was happening. And even I, the other verse I have here is blind Bartimaeus calling out to God, Lord, heal me, heal Son of David, have mercy on me. He couldn't actually get to Jesus, and Jesus didn't even get to him. He said, bring him here, because the crowds and the masses were just surrounding. There was a throng of people around Jesus and his ministry, and he, he, had, a, he had a knack for creating expectancy. I think if he walked in here in the kind of his resurrected form, I think we would all kind of perk up and, no, we would all jump up and run to him and touch him. That's what we would do. Either that or fall on our faces. Um, but when Jesus enters the room, expectation rises, does it not? And we're gonna actually be looking at Haggai 1 this morning. It's kind of a bit of a heavy um, chapter, 
We're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to skip a line or two. Um, but I'm hoping that it will be a great encouragement to you, even though it is a little bit of a weightier scripture. And I just have two things I want to just bring to you this morning. And the first one is, we can have great expectations because in the end, God will do it. God will do it, all right? He is going to make a way. He has made a way. But we can have great expectations because of that fact that God is going to do it. And then secondly, the second thing I want to encourage us in is we are called to seek the kingdom first, all right, and to align our lives to the expectation that God wants to use us and that he has a plan for our lives. All right, so let's go over to Haggai 1. And I think God has, um, he has more for you, all right, more for us than we realize, or even that we have faith for. So I want to encourage you this morning that God has much for you. Maybe you've come in and you're feeling a bit bruised and battered up. Um, as Robin mentioned, maybe this is a difficult time for you. I want you to know today that um, you can have great um, expectation in a God who saves this morning. And he wants to reach into your life. And even the fact that you're here this morning points to the fact that God is moving in your life. He is doing a work. Um, all right, Haggai 1. 1 to 8, and then we're going to read 12 to 15. All right. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It is a time for you yourselves, oh, sorry. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruin, ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And check this out. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. 
and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts their God on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Expectations play a big role in our lives. Um, expectations in marriage, expectations for your future, expectations for your life, um, expectations for finances. I, um, last year, was invited uh, to go sledding, and this is an example of expectations. And I uh, come from South Africa, and the last time, I actually remembered when I was thinking about this, the last time I went sledding was actually with my dear brother, Richard. Um, we were probably about 12 or so at the time, and it actually snowed on our farm in South Africa, which happens like every second year or third year or so, but this time it snowed a couple inches, so there was actually space for us to actually, you know, do something with it, um, besides just making a tiny snowman. Um, so we were excited, we were ready to go, my parents got this sled, I can't remember if it was just kind of makeshift or if it was a real thing, but they took us up on the mountain on our property, and it's basically a great um, sledding hill, it's kind of like a slope, um, and yeah, we got on it and we went down, I was in the rear, Rick was in the front, and we were going down, and it was great. The only problem is on this mountain, we have a bush called rosehip, and rosehip is like a wild um, rose, and it grows this, you might have even seen, uh, seen rosehip oil, it's now kind of taking off. Well, we have like a gold mine on our farm. If any business opportunities, just saying. Anyway, we ended up, I don't know whose fault it was because I can't remember who steers, if it's the person in the front or the person in the back, but we ended up going straight into a rose bush. Like, and my brother just got enveloped and I was all right. My feet kind of just went in and he got all scratched up and we were stuck in this bush. So that was my last experience of sledding and I was back in South Africa. So then I think John Ritten is here, but um, him and his brother and Heather, they invite us with the toddlers. Hey, come on, come and, come and sled with us. Um, I'm like, all right, that, that sounds good. I have to try out sledding. I'm excited for it. And because we're taking the toddlers, it'll be easy and it should be a, you know, we'll just take it easy. There will be no rose bushes or anything like that. And then they tell me the hill name and they say it's called Rainbow Hill. And I think, oh, great. That sounds toddler friendly, Rainbow Hill, that's great. We get there, Death Hill. Death Hill is what it should be called, all right? It's just this 45 degree, 200 foot, 500 foot, all right? Hill, no, I don't know how many feet it is, but it's just this, this hill. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And Ben goes down with his brother and the speeds they get at. And Anyway, I went down, I went down once, like it was so fast going down. I'm like, all right, I might just do it one more time. And I'm not doing it with Leah, you know, Leah's not going near that thing. There were some other toddlers going down. I'm like, wow, these guys are skilled. I'm so terrified. Jump on with John. And now I think I'm in the front and he's like, all right, here we go. And he's like, oh, by the way, we, let's hit the ramp. Let's hit the ramp. I'm like, no, we're not going to hit the ramp. There was these ramps there and he's kind of take, trying to pull it this way and I'm trying to pull it this way. And we literally hit it halfway. So like half of our... And then the Holy Spirit came and kind of flattened us out and we landed perfectly and we survived. Death Hill is what it should be called. Not Rainbow Hill. That sounds too friendly, too fluffy. Death Hill. Okay, but that was an example of an expectation I had 
based off an invitation and my own experience and just the name of a place, all right? We all carry expectations, and we carry expectations in our walk with God. And this morning, I want to encourage us in what we are expecting, what faith we have for what God is doing for us as a body, but also as individuals. And really, the setting of um, Haggai 1 is uh, 70 years before um, Israel, Judah had been exiled to Babylon. Um, they had basically refused to obey their God. I'm actually reading through Jeremiah at the moment, so I'm in the thick of that. Um, him taking 23 years, he keeps going back to Judah. You guys need to turn from your ways and come back to God, otherwise God's going to send a judgment on you. And he keeps going back, keeps going back, but they, they just do not listen. And eventually Babylon um, comes and, and takes over Judah and Israel and takes them to um, Babylon, and they were there 70 years. And then what happened um, is the king of Persia, Cyrus, came and he overthrew Babylon, all right, and King uh, Belshazzar, and um, he actually had, he felt that God had chosen him as an instrument of righteousness for the nations, kind of interestingly enough, um, it was true, God was using him for his purposes, I think he even says it in Jeremiah, where I was reading, I'm going to raise up someone against the Babylonians, and God raises up people, um, but uh, King Cyrus said, all right, we're gonna let the exiles go home, and they started this process of um, sending um, Israel back home to the promised land. And um, this, this chapter takes place actually 20 years after they had arrived back in Jerusalem. And um, the foundation of the temple had partly been laid two years after they arrived. So they had kind of landed, they had seen Jerusalem in the state it was in. It would take 90 years to rebuild Jerusalem, ending with Nehemiah building the wall. Such a beautiful story. But it would take 90 years for the people of God to see their city reborn. And a big part of that was the temple of God. It was their identity. It was the epicenter of, of who they were. And they had started. They were encouraged. They knew God was with them. Yes, we're going home. No, no, no. And they started immediately to work um, on the temple. Um, but then opposition and discouragement came. And the expectation that they had for what God was going to do and what they were going to be able to do for God, they didn't line up. And before they knew it, they were lulled into this, this just this place of despondency, this place of, I don't know, I don't know if God is still with us. I don't know if God, that was really God's plan. On top of that, the new king of Persia, Darius, was putting very heavy taxes on the people because he wanted to invade Egypt. So that was going on. And Jerusalem was no longer that beautiful city it once was. It was lying in ruins and um, it was no longer an important place. There were bigger cities, there were grander places, and it was very much on the sidelines. And I think it was easy um, for the people at those time, that time to assume that their day was a day of small things. They felt God was absent and thus it made the most sense to them to practically pursue the best life possible in spite of present difficulties. So they didn't know what to do. They were despondent, all right? So what do we do when we're despondent, when we're facing these struggles? Well, 
we try to protect, and we try to build, and we, we just try and get on. Well, God, if you're not going to be here or you're not going to do this, I'm going to just forge forward. I'm gonna, I need to look after my family. All these things are good things. I need to you know, get a job. I need to make sure my house is right. I need to make sure that I'm set up. Um, and they actually got so bogged down that they started calling shots, the shots on God's planning. In verse 2, God's, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So beforehand, they had been like, Yes, we're going to rebuild the house. We're going to do this. This is God's call to us. We're doing this. But disappointment had come and, and struggles. And now they're in a place where they're like, Well, no, obviously God does not want to build his house. Obviously God does not want to do this or do that. All right. Um, so I'm going to do this. Right? None of us have ever been there before, right? No. Okay. But they were calling shots in God's timing, God's planning. They had almost settled for a, okay, Lord, this is my life now. This is where I'm at. I'll settle here. It's obviously your plan, so I'm just going to settle here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be here. God's people had lost sight of the fact that God was still with them and had a plan for their generation. Okay. And I just really want to get it across to you guys that these were normal people. Um, with kids, okay, nothing grounds you more than a toddler. Do you know what I was doing before I came to church? Packing the dishwasher. Actually, Leo was helping me. But, you know, I'm, I'm a normal guy. But I know God's put a calling on my life. But hey, not only me, you too. We all have a calling on our life. But these were ordinary people with aspirations, with fears, with dreams, with routines. Okay, They also got up in the morning and had to make coffee and all that stuff. All right? They had to get the kids ready for school, make sure the house was clean. How is it this dirty again? Right, clean up. Right, they were, they were normal people. So they're dealing with all of that, but then also on top of them, this calling for God's purposes and his plans. And there was almost like a, a general discouragement among the people. Oh, I'm not sure if God's still with us. I don't think he's wanting us to do that anymore. Let's just build here. Let's just focus here. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Sounds very similar to sometimes where we find ourselves. And we all find ourselves in this place at times. But um, one thing comes very apparent with our walk with God, doesn't it, in the Christian life? And it's this, that God does not bow down to our expectations. Amen. All right? Thank, I've got it here with an exclamation point or mark. Thank goodness for that. All right? We serve an awesome God, and he does not bow down to our expectations. All right, He has a plan. He is all-powerful, and he wants to work in our life. And he will fulfill his plan, but I'll get on to that in a moment. Um, you know, for Lorene and I, when we were first called to the States, we actually said no because Lorene was pregnant, and I literally, the week before, told my dad, hey, Dad, I will work at the farm for another year. Then a week later, I got an email, hey, 
do you want to come to the States and we feel you'd be a good fit with the youth here and everything? And I was like, oh. It made me so excited. I was like, oh, this is, this is what I've been looking for. But I had to write back and say, I'm sorry. Can't do it. It's just not right timing and it just doesn't seem to be. But um, fortunately, a year later, the same email came and the doors just opened up and we knew it was of God and, and Allah, now we're here. But... Um, there was a process in between that of about a year and it felt like 10 years, but there, there was a visa process that took months. It was, and I know you guys also labored with it. You probably got to the point like, oh, are they ever coming? I know some, it was like, you know, these people we're talking about, but, but for us, our life was on standstill in, the, in that time. Um, and sometimes I still look back and I say, wow, that was kind of a tough situation being in that kind of limbo and, and everything. And I don't always see why it happened like that, but I know that God brought us here at the right time and that he, he had a plan. Um, you know, our expectations for leaping forward or doing things with God or partnering with God, they don't always line up with how things really happen. I think one thing that God showed me is even with, in light of finances, I think we pray, we will pray, Lord, would you help me? I just need provision in this, da, da, da. And we forget the fact that day after day, night after night, we, can, we sit down and we have a meal. God has provided. He's provided our every need. Regardless of pressures, those pressures, they, he will provide for that as well in its time. But we need to remember that if you're sitting down at night and you're having a meal and your family's together and he has provided, he has done what he has promised. And I think we set like this, well, this is what God's provision looks like for me financially. Um, no, <laughs> all right, he, he does provide, but he provides in his own way, and yes, sometimes it's wonderful, like when you get blessed out of the blue and all that stuff, but we gotta understand that God provides in sometimes just real, real subtle ways, just in our daily routine, he provides and he makes a way. Um, and we, we set our expectations sometimes wrong. Um, but look at the disciples as well. Peter, Lord, we got a good thing going, stop talking like this. All right? Like, this is going to be good. I mean, you could be like a king, and we could have like a real temple, and like us 12 guys, we could be really tight, okay? And we could just continue to see all these healings. I mean, how could this not be what you want? And he's like, no. Get behind me, Satan. Wow. All right? God does not work like we work. His way of doing things is upside down to how we do things. It totally is. And he had such an amazing plan. He had such an amazing plan. We look at Abraham and Isaac. All right, Lord, really? My own son? God testing Abraham. We look at the woman at the well. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. This lady who in those times, like, the disciples didn't even know what to say when they saw Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman on her own. It just blew every framework they had for existence out the water. They didn't talk to Samaritans, okay? They didn't, <laughs> sorry ladies, but women weren't highly regarded. It was all upside down. But check this, Jesus reveals to this lady that he is the Messiah. I think she's the first person that he did that with. Hey, I'm God. 
I've come to save the world. And he reveals it to this precious soul. And it's not because she had her act together. We know that, all right? God actually points it out and says, hey, like, yeah, the man you're with is not your husband and you've had five others, all right? But the grace and the mercy that he brings, so wonderful. So when it comes to expectations and just our faith and perception of God and what he has planned for us, I think some of us, we've lost faith. We're not where we should be, um, whether through hurts or let downs or people, or maybe bad experience in church. We've just got to a point where almost we've gotten maybe a little bit hardened and life's just a little bit difficult. And our expectation of God is not very high. In fact, we might even be angry with God and what he's done. There may be people like that this morning who, who are here. You may just be in that place. I was chatting to a lady at uh, Natural Grocers. And I was wearing my uh, uh, Kingdom Music t-shirt, and she saw it, and she was like, ah, oh, um, are you involved in church because it has a big cross on it? She was like, yeah, um, I'm, I'm involved in revival. We started chatting a little bit, and I was like, well, you know, it seems like, what, what do you believe? And she said, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, um, but I, I believe he's a good man and all that, but I stay away from the Father because he's just angry. Right, and he just wants to get me, and he just, you know. And then she said, yeah, my grandfather was the theologian. And I'm like, wow, okay, trying to piece all this together. But, you know, through, we can just get so sidelined and get such an expectation of God that's just so wrong. It's so wrong. And I just said to her, you know, it says in the Word that Jesus Christ is the Word, all right? So who Jesus Christ is the Word of God to you, um, he shows who the Father is, his heart towards you, and he cares for you. Um, but there's people who are living with these hurts and these misperceptions of who God is. Um, some of us, and you may be here this morning, uh, you aren't even aware that God has something for you. Maybe it's your first time at church, or maybe you haven't been in a while, but your expectation, you might just not have one. Um, you've just, you're just not there. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is seeking you out and um, he's given his best for you um, this morning. And then uh, some of us, in terms of expectations, we, we're pushing. We're asking for more. We're in that place where we're like, God, we want more. We want more. We want to see your glory come. Okay, we might be in that place. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, maybe there's another category I'm sure I've missed, but, but um, God knows where you're at. And... He is faithful. He is so faithful. And um, in Hebrews 11.6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near, draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. One of my biggest prayers for myself recently has been, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. And I just want to encourage you this morning um, to to really seek God and ask him to reveal himself to you um, and increase your faith because he does it. And we're going to see that now. So I'm not going to, I'm going to try and just be quick now, but I've just got those two points I, I mentioned. And the first one is um, he will do it. All right. We can have, expect, we can have great expectations in, in what God will do because he 
will do it. All right, he has done it. So let's go back to our scripture. 12 to 15, I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. So the Lord their God, as, oh, sorry, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Just let that sink in for a moment. I am with you. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts their God on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Just look at that again. And the Lord stirred up the spirit, and the Lord stirred up the spirit. If you don't mind, just go to the right in your Bible, like one or two pages, to Zechariah 4, verse 6 to 10. And this guy actually started prophesying to the same group of people just after Haggai did, right? saying the same thing. So it's pretty incredible. But just look at this, this word. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone and shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent you, has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the days of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Wow. And as this, this people who had been so discouraged responded to the word of God, all right, they just responded. They, they were like, we want this. We do want this. Lord. We see this moment where God comes by his power and he partners with them. So we see it's not, all right, we started 18 years ago. Now we're going to finish this thing. All right, we're going to do this. All right, come on, young man, get up. Let's go, let's go. And God empowers us to do what he's called us to do. And not only to do what we should do for him, but to be who we are in him. He gives you everything you need. He empowers you, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And this is how he builds his house. And his plan or method has not changed. It has not changed. He will do it. And we need to just look to him, all right? These people, they were down. They were at that point, they're like, okay, God, 
I accept what you've given me. I accept the life that I have. I'm just going to focus and I'm just going to build and I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be that. God was like, I didn't, this isn't my plan for you. This isn't what I have for you. But they were in that place, all right? They were in that place, and it, nothing would satisfy them in that place, all right? We read earlier in Haggai 1, all right, that picture of pulling that blanket over you. It's a terrible picture. It's heavy, pulling a blanket over you, but it doesn't keep you warm. You earn 20 bucks, you put it in your bank, and you can only draw 10, right? The effort, the things you're putting your hands to, they're just... And God is saying, let me be the center of your life. Let me be the center of your joy. Habakkuk 2.14 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but it says, For the earth will, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We serve a glorious God, and he does not bow down to our expectation, but he calls us out. He calls us out to be a part of his story. He calls you out to be a part of his glory. You are a part of his glory. You are a part of his saving grace. Your story, what he's done in your life, is a part, a picture of who he is. And it's wonderful to be a part of God's glory and his story. All right? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And another verse here, and I think in light of what I mentioned earlier about just expectations and where you find yourself, Okay, some of us, we just struggle so much. And um, just check this verse out from John 16, 33. Sorry, it's not like it's just a wake-up call. Jesus says, in, the world, in this world, you will have tribulation. Okay, sorry to break it to you. Okay, but Jesus says, all right, so it's not me. He said it. But he says, you will have tribulation. All right. Um, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I, uh, I saw a post of one of my good friends. Uh, he's not really following the Lord, but it was just this kind of meme thing, and it was basically this person saying, when I look at the world, I just I see despair, and well, I see all that's going on. All I want to do is just despair, and everything's so bad and horrible. But then, and this is a bit silly, I'm sorry, and Lord of the Rings fans here, anyone? Okay, so I might be okay with this. All right, um, but then I just see in my subconscious Gandalf saying to me, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And that's such an amazing line by Gandalf. But I want to say that we have something so much better. All right? And this is a I challenge you maybe to start praying this scripture over your life. If you're finding that the world is causing you to despair, John sixteen thirty three. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. No matter how bad it looks, no matter what troubles you're facing, he has overcome the world, and his glory will fill the earth. It will fill the earth. No matter where you find yourself right now, it will happen. It will happen. So we don't have to look to Gandalf or anyone else or this or that. We can look to Jesus, okay? 
we can look to Jesus. We serve a glorious, glorious God. And I think just having expectation what God's going to do, we have to understand what God has done for us. There's a wonderful line in Jeremiah 23. It just said this, and it just like, he's, he's talking about God and the names of God, and he just says, and you will have a new name for your God, and it will be the Lord is our righteousness. Do you know that we live in those days that they were prophesying about, where we get to say, the Lord is our righteousness. Never do we turn our finger inward and say, okay, I've got this and I've got that and I've done this. No. The Lord is our righteousness. And that is the gospel. The Lord is our righteousness. We were dead in our sins. He made us alive. A dead person cannot cry out for help. A dead person cannot better themselves. All right. God is too great for that. He's too glorious. Right? We serve the God of the Bible, and he's just way too big for that. He doesn't play games. But what he does do is he gives us a righteousness that's not our own. And we get to live in the fullness of what that is. And we get to experience his grace. We get to live in his grace. And grace is actually from a... Um, it's derived from an English word, chars, but it's basically charity, receiving something that you did not deserve. You couldn't earn it, but it's given freely as a gift to you. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us step out of it because we choose not to live in it. And we get under the weight of our accusations, and in Revelations it talks about how the devil accuses us night and day, right? And we know that. We get you know, these thoughts, and we can get locked in a mode of negative thinking. But we need to choose to live under that grace every moment, every day. Like, so live under that grace. Live in it. In John 1, I think it says, I love what Jesus says, but just um, grace upon grace. I think it was actually John, but grace upon grace. All right, just think about that. Grace is good, but grace upon grace. And he's saying this about the Messiah and what he's done for us. Grace upon grace. You, we, I, we live in the time where we say our Lord's name is He is our righteousness. All right? He is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. And we look, we look to Him. So we can have great expectations because of who God is and what He's done. All right? But um, secondly, there is a call on us. There is a call on you to align your life with what God's doing in your life. Um, it says in the verse here in Haggai, consider your ways. God says, consider your ways. I think maybe this morning is a consider your ways kind of morning. Like, Lord, am I aligning my life with your purposes, with your plan? Am I living in the, the, the freedom you've given me? Or am I just giving myself, am I just letting myself get bogged down by things? Consider your ways. I think uh, discouragements and unmet expectations can lull us into just a survival mode. You know what that's like. Like, okay, 
What must I get from the shops? Right, rush to the shop. Get home. Okay, cook dinner. You know, and that, and that's like every day of your life. Just work and this and that and oh, it's church again. All right. God, sorry, I haven't had much time for you this week. All right, Monday starts again. Life, life is hectic. Life is busy. All right, but God can join us along in that ride and. It can be supernatural. I just love that word over Sammy, and I hope she just takes that to heart and really asks God for it. Um, but we can just get lulled into this kind of survival mode because of the things that, that have been tough. Um, I love this. D.L. Moody, uh, I think he was mostly from Chicago. He's an amazing man. But he pre uh, I mean, I read this, and I was like, how is this even? But... Preach, he preached the gospel to over 100 million people okay, in the pre-television era. He just had this driving force as a man. All right? But he was changed by a word by this English guy called Henry Varley who said, It remains for the world to see what the Lord can do with a man wholly consecrated to Christ. And he said, I want to be that. And that's what he did. And he lived his life like that. And he didn't get it all right. If you read his book, you'll see he got a lot wrong. And, but he lived his life wholly consecrated to Christ. He just had the single mind and he, and he went for that. And I love this, 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. All right. Matthew 6.33, seek First, the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. All right. And I think these people um, in Haggai 1 had just, they had just lost sight of that. They had forgotten that. And we know, all right, how easy that happens. How easy it is to, to fall on the wayside and kind of, wow, I've kind of, I'm, not, I'm not pursuing God. I'm not allowing him to work in my life. But Jesus gives us, he gives us a pattern for living, right? And this isn't a law. This isn't a, if you don't do this, you're going to be punished. No. This is a, I want you to have the most joy you can have in your life. And you will have the most joy you can have in your life if you put me first and focus on me. Everything else will follow. All your desires will be met, practical, physical, metaphysical. All that will be met if you put me first. And we know this to be true. We know this because God is the fountain of life. As we come to him, right? As we come to him, as we align our lives, he, he fulfills us. He gives us everything we need. Our kids, our television, our sport, our sledding ability, our business, our family, okay? They all make lousy gods. They make lousy gods. And they will betray you in the end. Because they can't sustain the weight of your heart and your soul. Only God can sustain. He's created you with a big heart to be filled with a big God. And if you make finite things your God, it will betray you in the end. And I say this not to condemn you. I say it to warn you perhaps, but I say it to encourage you that God is so much for you, just joy. Um, but 
just to finish off, I want to say this, and I felt there's nothing wrong with ordinary. Okay? Um, most of our lives and most of the lives lived here, all right, will be ordinary. Nine to five. Like I said, nothing grounds you more than a toddler. You realize how impatient you are. You realize how selfish you are. You realize it's the same with marriage, but I think with kids it's another level. But God teaches you things, and you feel grounded, and you feel like, ah, oh, I just can't get this right. Okay? But you don't, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with ordinary. Um, but let's seek God in those spaces. I think I say ordinary, but I just wanted you to imagine this quickly. Imagine you had a telephone on your, wherever you spend most of your day, and you could pick it up at any point and talk to President Trump and ask him to intervene in your problems, all right, and kind of have your back and stuff. Or let's say actually that the place you worked was right on the Oval Office and you could kind of just walk in and go, hello, Mr. President, I need help in this regard. Our lives are not ordinary. We have a God who's with us. We have a God who's ever-present. We have a God who's accessible. And like that telephone, actually not like that telephone at all. No, his presence is in us. His Holy Spirit is in us. He's with us. So we never have to settle for ordinary. Right? We're always walking in supernatural. But I just want to encourage you at the same time that supernatural, the, what God calls us to, doesn't always look how we think it's going to look. So just be encouraged. Be faithful with where you're at. Be faithful with what God's given you. Um, and care for those around you. Care for those around you. Um, I just want to read, and this was actually from Brent, but he read this a couple of weeks ago, and it just so encouraged me. But just Ephesians 1.3, and then we're going to end um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does that even mean? Have we even started to dip our toe in the ocean of what that means? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We serve such a good God such a good God, and he has so much grace for where we're at. A God of grace would not have done what he did in Haggai 1, where he actually empowers these people. Once they've just been, they've kind of given up on God and they're doing their own thing, he comes and he empowers them. And he says, no, I'm with you. And that's in the Old Testament. I know we often refer to the Old Testament, oh, well, that God's now different. No, it's the same God. We just didn't have the precious Jesus in between us and that God, so things were very different, but the same love, and he had a plan the whole time. The Lord is our righteousness. But what grace he shows in that picture, and what grace he shows for you um, this morning. And I think every spiritual blessing in heavenly places for everyone, not just the pastors, not just for those who are like called to international ministry or this or that, or whoever you, however you've built the boxes, okay, for you, for you. Um, so, let's really come to God with 
great expectation for his love for us, his grace for us. And then as we live in that, let's look forward to, Lord, how can I show this to the world? How can I show this to the world? Um, If I could have the band up, Jim. So if you don't mind standing, we're going to finish now. And if you need to rush out, that's totally fine. But we do want to just take time. I'm going to just pray over you. And if you feel that you want to come and just be ministered to, pray for, we're going to have a brilliant ministry team up here now um, that'll come. Um, But we're going to be ready to pray for you and for you just to receive from God. If there's anyone who needs healing in this place today, I just felt, let's pray for that. So if you're struggling with illness, let's have expectation how God does heal. Um, Remember that crowd around Jesus, just wanting to touch him. Let's be a people that just want to be where he's at. Um, Bless you guys. All right, let's just raise our hands and you can just start playing, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, Father God. And I just want to invite you, come come forward. Come, Come lay things down before our Heavenly Father. And you are the apple of his eye. He... In Zephaniah, to the left of where I read, it says that he will quiet us by his love. And we have so many things we want to say, and God with this, God with that, that, uh, well, he'll quiet you with his love. And he will bring you to where he wants you to be. And he hasn't forgotten you. Father, I just pray of everyone here today. Lord, I just pray would you just minister to them in your grace and mercy. Lord, will you come, Lord, and... Lord, where expectations have been unmet, Lord, or just this judgment's been dogging, Lord, or maybe where there's a lot of passion, Lord, I pray, would you just come and meet, Lord, and would we just gaze on your beautiful glory? Would we gaze on your might and your power? Would we look to you, Lord Jesus? Thank you for who you are. We're so grateful. I just pray for a release today, Lord, of faith in Jesus' name. Pray a release in Jesus' name of faith. And I pray, would we just come to know the endless, boundless love of Jesus? Would your Holy Spirit fill us, even in the ordinary, Lord, as we walk through our days or run through our days? Would you, would you fill our lives? Lord, we want to be surrendered to you, Lord. We want your church to be the glorious bride that it truly is. Thank you for your church today. Thank you for everyone here today. Bless, bless them, Lord. I just pray freedom and peace, Lord, in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Just let him minister to you. Um, We're going to sing a song, and if you want prayer, just come forward. I'll be here to pray, and Josh and the ministry team and the elders will just be here to pray for you and lay hands on you and just see God work in your life because he wants to. Thank you, Jesus. Love you.